Welcome to The Bright Side, a podcast where we will help you to get a better perspective on your life. Each week, we tackle a story from the public life, something from our own private lives, and then we go out into nature, we breathe, we tell stories, and we try to cut our anxieties down to size to get some perspective in order to live healthier, happier lives. I'm Tamsin Omond, an activist, author, actor, and often anxious human being. And I'm Sachi Lloyd, a multi-award winning author and public speaker. Welcome to The Bright Side. And just before we get started, we want to ask our listeners to please leave us a review. Yeah, lovely. We'd love to hear what you've got to say. Some great reviews have been coming in, so keep that going, guys. Thank you. And now, I think it's time we talked about public lives, Sachi. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And this week, we're going to look at a Venezuelan's reaction to Donald Trump. Well, we're going to look at one Venezuelan. Okay. I couldn't claim to speak to, for all of the Venezuelan. Uh, but this, uh, uh, this is a really nice article, and uh, I'm just going to paraphrase some bits of it okay. and then chat through it with you. The so it comes words. from um, the Washington Post, and it's written by um, an economist living in Madrid called Andres Miguel Rondon, mm-hmm. and he's a Venezuelan citizen who was born and raised there. But now living in Madrid. Yes. Is that the piece of advice he gives us? <laughs> yeah. Get out of America! <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, I'm just going to read a little bit, and then we're going to uh, talk through some, um, some advice he has. I hope that's okay. So he says, Donald Trump is an avowed capitalist. Hugo Chavez was a socialist with communist dreams. So, one builds skyscrapers, the other expropriated them. You know, not so similar, you'd think, but in some ways they are identical. Trump mm. and Chavez are both masters of populism. So he goes on to say, uh, and this is a bit that's interesting here, so the re- recipe for populism is universal. So what you do is you find a wound common to many, mm. you find someone to blame for it, you make up a great story around it, you mix it all together, you tell the wounded you know how they feel, that you've found those bad guys, you label them, the minorities, the politicians, the businessmen, and then you caricature them, vermin, evil masterminds haters and losers then you paint yourself as the savior Mm. you capture the people's imagination you forget about policies and plans you just enrapture them with a tale one that starts with anger and ends in vengeance biblical a vengeance they can all participate in come on down and that's how it becomes a movement a movement uh, built on vengeance. Yes, that's there's some, really scary. Well, yeah, it's built on anger, and it's but really the anger is built on this irresistible allure of I'm going to make everything really simple for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you so, feel pain, someone's to blame. Yes, exactly. And then, and and this is the the, the interesting part of the argument. You see, mm. he goes on to because this guy was was one of the Venezuelan middle classes who Chavez just demonized and caricatured because mm. it was all their problem. And, and, and so he says, this is the thing, is suddenly this is what happens to you. One minute you're just an ordinary citizen, the next minute the problem is you. And you see this happening in Brexit Britain with like suddenly we're the Ramonas. Yeah. The problem is yes. you all of a sudden. Yeah. And so what happens is, um, you know, you, you get cast as the enemy and, and then, you, you know, you try and fight back. And, and what he's, he's going to look into is number of mistakes that the opposition made in really, Venezuela. Yes, yes, in Venezuela. Mm. That really didn't, you know, for 20 years they just couldn't get rid of him. 
Um, and so he's offering a few uh, bits of advice. Cool. Okay. I want to learn from him. Please okay. share with me, Satch. Okay. Number one, uh, and, and this is a very brief one, uh, They, the opposition needs you to be an enemy. It's really important to them that you stay like an enemy and contemptuous mm. and, and, and vilifying them because otherwise what are they going to do? So that's a funny thing. You're like, oh my God, it's me. It's like the it's like the national lottery. So it's kind of like, don't forget who the enemy is. But now I'm going to go on to my main points. Okay. Number one, show no contempt. Mm -hmm. so this is what the opposition did in Venezuela for years. They wouldn't stop pontificating how stupid Chavismo was. Mm -hmm. You know, not only to uh, internationally, but to his electoral base. This guy? Are you nuts? You must be nuts. And he said he heard so many variations on these comments growing up. Um, and, and he said, and he realised it really wasn't working. <laughs> One day when he realised that Chavez really, really wasn't stupid. Yeah. And neither is Trump. Yeah. There's no point calling him stupid. Getting to those, you know, getting to be the President of the United States requires unbelievable force of will and great calculated rhetorical mm, position. Mm. You know, the He's kind of a political genius. Yeah. So, but we do really like to call him stupid. It's I really know, true. right? And Contempt. we like to kind of point at his little hands and laugh at him, yes. and laugh at the people that support him yes. as well. And by doing that, we isolate ourselves from them. Yes. We say we're nothing like you, and we yes. won't make the same choices as you. And you are stupid yes. for making those choices. Yes. Ooh. Have you ever, ever, in any other sphere of life, got anyone to do what you want them to do by being contemptuous of them? Yeah, yeah, you're really shit. Do you know, why don't you agree with me now? Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, but, but dress I mean, looks it's rubbish on you. It's like this kind of laziness that I fall into. It's like when um, Nigel Farage goes on Question Time and right. everyone goes like, how dare the BBC? Yeah. Oh, they're putting on this idiot. Why don't they put on more people like yes. me or whatever? Exactly, right? Yeah. Contempt. Here, huh. I'm going to give you a bit of Shakespeare. You ready? Oh, please. Teach not thy lips such scorn, for it was made for kissing. Lady, not for such contempt. Oh my gosh. Well, that's what the bard has got to say. So we have to do a massive snuggathon with everyone we disagree yes. with. You have to go and basically find someone who disagrees with you and snog them. Okay. Is that uh, a challenge that we want to put out there to our totally. worthy listeners? Yes. Uh, here's another quote uh -huh. uh, which uh, follows on. From, this, is the, this is after you've done the snog stage. <laughs> Familiarity breeds contempt and children. Mark Twain. Okay. Nice. Read. Read it out, those disagreements. <laughs> Freaky. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because we all kind of want to pretend that we are prepared to build bridges and to yes. reach out to people that we disagree with. But actually, we'd much rather kind of point at them and caricature them and say, uh, you know, stick within our own little universe of people like us who agree totally. with us. And if our own tiny minds are entirely nailed shut, why shouldn't everybody else's be? Mm. I'm asking you, Tamsin. Love is the answer, Sarge. <laughs> yeah. Right. Tell me more. Okay. You liking this? <laughs> right. Don't try and force him out. This is his next mm. advice. He said, in Venezuela, the opposition tried every trick in the book. Coup d'etat? Yes. Ruinous oil strike? Yes. Boycotting elections in the hopes that international observers would intervene? Check. Opponents were desperate, and they were right to be. Mm. But... And this is the thing. It's very, it's very uh, disappointing, but um, it doesn't work just mm -hmm. having a giant hissy fit. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's a bit like the people who wanted a, a rerun of a referendum. Oh, yeah. you know, we weren't ready. Yeah. Best of three. Yeah. Hang on. Uh, no, yeah, go on, no, Tom. Well, I was talking to a person who was running some workshops down mm. in Barking with people who had voted oh, yeah. Brexit. Yeah. And where were they doing that? It was in Barking in yes. East London, yeah, okay. um, where like majority was voting Brexit. And I think the idea behind the workshops was that they'd go and they'd have something confirmed in them, which was this assumption that everyone that voted Brexit would now be regretting it uh. and would say to them, oh God, I wish we could go back. But that wasn't at all what was happening. Oh. Instead, the people of Barking who went to these workshops were saying... Was it like proper local people? Proper local people, yeah, okay. yeah, right, yeah. saying... We don't think Brexit's going to happen because you elites always go back on what you promised okay. to us and you are going to screw us over again because that's what you do. And so I think, like, if we... Sh- if we God, I even thought about that yeah. as, a, as a mindset. Yeah, if we throw massive hissy fits, then it yes. looks like we might get our way because we always get our yeah. bloody way. It's like when the lawyers do it, you know, mm. you're like, oh, no, they're doing it again. Yes, and it, it polarises us yeah, even more. Yeah, really interesting. Um, yes, and, uh, so this Venezuelan guy says... You, um, you know, it just kind of looks like you're losing your mind. Mm. And then the people on the other side are never going to, you know, go with you. And nor, more crucially, will the independents. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then you're giving all the flipping populists and their followers enough fuel to, to call you a saboteur, yeah. unpatriotic, Ramona, you know. Yeah. Undemocratic. The... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, something's been cast. What's been cast? The die. The die. The die, darling. Now we've got to do something about it. I know. Not just go back on it. Stop Ramoning. Stop Ramoning. I'm a Ramona. <laughs> oh. Right. Oh, it's an awful word to say. It's like, it's like saying you've got a thrush or something, isn't it? Ooh. I'm a Ramona. <laughs> I'm a Ramona. It's, it's like... a little bit of a thing to admit. <laughs> This could turn into a self-help group. I know. <laughs> it's like gastric, you know. Got flatulence. Yeah. Yeah, You're yeah, a Ramona. Yeah. I'm a Ramona. <laughs> Right, hang on. Number three. Tell me. You ready? Mm-hmm. So, don't just be whinging. Don't be all polarised. Come up with a yeah. better flipping argument. But, and this is the interesting thing here, so don't try and come up with some grand idea. Nobody's interested. Mm. Ditch all the big words. Mm. The problem, he says, is not the message but the messenger. It's not that Trump supporters or Chavez's supporters were too stupid to see right from wrong. It's just that you're more valuable to them as an enemy than as a compatriot. That's interesting, mm. isn't it? Yin and yang, we need the light needs the dark. Do you think you're the light? <laughs> I like to think I'm the light, but I'm starting to... <laughs> if I keep calling myself a Romaina, a Romaina, a Sounds Ramona, quite dark, doesn't it? I'm actually, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm on the right muddy. side. Exactly. So your challenge is not to come up with some fancy new scheme, but it's to prove that you belong in the same tribe as them. Um... And, uh, well, in case of Trump or us, but you're American or you're as British in exactly the same way as, as they are. Yeah. I mean, and he said in Venezuela, they yeah. fell into that trap in a really bad way. Uh, we wrote again and again about principles, about separation mm. of power, civil liberty, blah, blah, blah. But actually what they should have been doing uh, was go out into the slums and the countryside, not for a speech or a rally, but for a game of dominoes or to dance salsa to show... They were Venezuelans too. They weren't just some dour scolds. They could hit a baseball or tell a joke that landed. Yeah, and they no. could break the tribal divide. So what do you think I, about I that? I just think it's genius. Like Farage is co-opting. You know, he owns the pub, and like the pub right. is where oh, yeah. us English people get together and That's stuff. That's true. But isn't it? I can't imagine any left-wing leader or whatever figure, public figure, being in a pub having a pint with some people. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No. And yet somehow. Farage, I mean, you know, when he's yeah, in question time, I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, I like what you're saying. And you kind of own, 
Englishness in a way. Now hang on, he doesn't own the entire pub. He owns the um, the posh bit. Does he? But yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think he would. He anywhere where there's a pint, he'll have his no, he's little on, hands he the bit where you, you know you're like, oh, which door shall I go in? He's on that, you know, the bit where the the gentleman is sitting with the ladies, yeah. having a gin and it. Ah. He's on that side. Somebody needs to take Someone over the other side, the other side of the pub. That's our challenge. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Oh God. Get in there. Take over the pub. <laughs> I think uh, as lesbians we could um, we could form a, a, a an elite darts unit. <laughs> It's a really good one. Do dance championships. Yeah, breed whippets. Yeah. We could get one of my sons. Yeah. Such a caricature. There you go. Is that what you do, you Ramona? <laughs> oh, man, did you hear that? Yeah. But the thing is, I love whippets, so it wasn't even meant to be a bad thing. <laughs> but it sounded bad, didn't it? It sounded a little bit bad. Uh, I mean, we've got to avoid the caricatures. Yes. All right, so he finishes on this point. So he said, you can be different. Recognise that you're the enemy. Mm-hmm that the opposition requires. Mm. Interesting, right? Yeah, Show really concern, not contempt, for the wounds of those who brought him to power. By all means, be patient with democracy and struggle relentlessly to free yourself from the shackles of the caricature the populists have drawn of you. That's it. That is absolutely it. I am limited by how they want to see me. Right. Right. I need to break free. I, mean, I think this is really, this is right. brilliant. It's something about breaking out of right. this, like, oh, I'm really... You know what's horrible about mm. Ramona mm. is it like contains all of that like worthy, yes. windy, yep. like, mm. and I don't want to be that, and mm. I'm not really that. I'm quite excited about the future actually. It's yeah. gonna be mad. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, tricky, isn't it? Yeah. I also think um, so. Tell me. Don't be no. Well, I don't know. I'm just so that's the first one. Let's yeah. let's not. Don't be a caricature. Yeah. Refuse. Se- second one, I think, is. Well, if you want a solution, get stuck into some legitimate protests. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything illegitimate. Stop whinging. Mm-hmm. Get stuck into the fabric of society, something yeah. that will bring about change. Lovely. If we want Britain to look better, then we've got to fight for it. Yeah. Uh, and my third one, which I keep saying again and again, Tell read me. a paper you disagree with. <laughs> By the Telegraph. The Telegraph is, is the stepping stone to the, the real, to the Daily Mail. Yeah. And, and it's outlandish. Take that plunge. Terrible cousin, the Express, which makes the mail look like your maiden aunt. The Mail, the Daily Mail, the, pa- the yeah. paper of my parents. Yeah, the paper that the majority of the population reads. Right. Step out there, kids. Thing is, you know, it's like, well, okay. And not in a caricaturing way. Yeah. Don't buy it to take the piss out of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is like yeah. a St. Augustine. <laughs> Make me good, but not just, yeah, yeah I don't uh-huh. know if I could... Re- right, okay, just that's... Read up. it. Next week, we're going to read the Daily Mail in a not piss takey way. Yeah. And we're going to come back and we're going to come up with some really good things that they've said in the Daily Mail. Can't wait for that. Wow. <laughs> Join us next week. Oh. Daily Mail. Redux. <laughs> oh, so Sarge, I think it's time to move on to private lives. Mm. What do you think about that? Whose private life? Mine or yours? You know what? I'm not going to talk about the thing that we usually talk about, oh. which is love. I'm not going to talk about my love life. What's um, left to talk you about? Have what's left? I know. What's what left is on it? The table? It's like the tumbleweed effect. <laughs> it is going to be your life, though, isn't it? I can feel it. That private lives is yes. me. <laughs> I'd love to talk about you, but you're just much more private than yeah, I am. Yeah, I am, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not sharing. This is. It took me about five or seven years of knowing you to find out that you had a sister. That's true. Do you know what I mean? And not only do I have one sister, I have three sisters. <laughs> 
You can't reveal these things on uh, You knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know that now. Um, no. <laughs> but um, we are going to talk about me this week. It's true, because once again, you're not very forthcoming about your private life. But we can get on to you. Listen, it's because I spent all my time preparing Venezuela, isn't it? You're wonderful. Mm-hmm. You are politically motivated and active in a way that I can only hope for in my own life. Okay, let's talk about me. Jog on, bruh. Jog on. Um, I want to talk about friendships Ooh. because I've been doing something recently, which is with my friends, and this, in fact, is evidence of that. I am <laughs> evidence-based <laughs> podcast, of course. Um, I'm doing lots of kind of creative projects, yes. which I'm loving. Mm. Um, and it does mean that my friendships kind of enter a new space because there's a certain amount of res- responsibility yes. involved in that. And, you know, we've got to like prepare or whatever and count on each other to show up at this place to do this thing. And this that's table, this, this time. This table at this time, exactly. And um, one friend, let's call him... Oh, him. <laughs> Mr. Y. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Y is one friend that I was organising a creative project with and he pulled out of the project Ah. and what had been happening before this is I was getting kind of angsty about the fact that he didn't seem to be very interested in the project anymore and I I was just getting really controlling and my whole you know usually I'm quite a caring friend who wants to Mm. make sure that you're all right in the world and like look after you and all of those sorts of things but instead of caring about those things I just wanted him to do what I wanted him to do can you give me some examples of how you try to control him yeah I can so I would be like I'd I'd text him saying hey how you doing (laughs) you've never sent me one of those texts no because I just assume that you're alright but um and I sent him those texts because I would want to say are we going to meet later to run through this thing and so every time I got in touch with him it was a little bit with like a a a, a, slightly flushed cheeks exactly if somebody said hey how are you doing I would think I thought I was doing okay but now I'm not so sure yeah well I think my attention Mm. on him maybe sent him into a bit of a spiral to be honest (laughs) like I don't think it was very good for him or for our friendship and you know instead of just being able to have an honest conversation Mm. about whether we still wanted to do this project Mm. with each other it just became this thing that we kind of danced around both of us trying to secretly control the other or like duck out of our responsibility Mm. but without actually saying you know what do you still want to do this yeah it's well, hard to ask the hard questions isn't it's it it's hard to ask the hard especially questions especially if you've invested there's a lot of intersections going on there mm. oh the dance around the unsayable mm. thing exactly exactly and this kind of need to control what kind of dance you think it would be like a salsa <laughs> no I think it would be like the sumo wrestlers before <laughs> they do their wrestle <laughs> kind of fronting up oh yeah yeah I think it would be more like um, like how we used to dance in the 80s before we discovered rhythm you know so how you dance to the cure or or, yeah just you just flappy arms yes flippy flappy sort of dervishy hey why aren't you doing what I want you to do hey hey it's just my old granddad's old jacket hey (laughs) nothing to see here and an amethyst ring Anyway, I went to the internet, that great source of uh, advice, (laughs) and and I just, uh, I I wanted to read you a quote by, how do you say it, Lao Tse Tung. Yes. Okay, I'm going to read you uh, this little quote that you said, because to me, it really spoke to me, because I was just getting so grabby, and everything was tightening up and restricting, and it was, you know, I was kind of becoming quite tight in my breath any time I spoke to him. I was like, hello, how are you? (laughs) You were becoming your mother. I was becoming a little, yes. And uh, this quote helped. Everything under heaven is a sacred vessel and cannot be controlled. Trying to control leads to ruin. Trying to grasp, we lose. 
Allow your life to unfold naturally. Know that it too is a vessel of perfection. No pressure there. <laughs> well, you know, I don't yes. need to be perfect. Our project doesn't need to be perfect. Yes. Our friendship, I can just accept him for who he is. Yes, but hang on, wait a minute mm. then. Tell I me. mean, okay, we've got a back. vessel of perfection. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, sometimes, you know, people aren't perfect and they need to be pulled up or, you know, sometimes it needs to be hard work or you need to say difficult things to each other. I mean, mm. is that a bit fatalistic, that quote? Oh. I think it's, I mean, it depends how... Like, I am really bad at accepting myself, people, situations as anything other than perfect. Okay. I need things to be, like, the best. Right. I need to, like, live really intensely. It needs to be really fast, furious, fun. And if it's not those things, then I think there's something wrong. And actually, there's nothing wrong, you know? So I think... It would have been really nice if I, like, sooner than what I did. Eventually, we had a nice conversation. And it felt like this massive... You know, like shrugging your shoulders okay. or something. Like our friendship just shrugged our shoulders okay. onto the next phase of friendship, okay. which is a phase where we can communicate with one another right. and say, hey, you know what? That thing, I'm feeling loads of pressure from it. Right. Let's not do it. That's nice, that feeling. It's freedom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, it's so lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And you don't really realise you're carrying the burden often until Ooh. it's gone, isn't it? Exactly. I really wasn't realising it. But mm. I was waking up thinking about Squeaky it. Squeaky voice. Keep thinking about it. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know what I think we both did, is we freed ourselves from the expectation of what the other, right. like what we thought the other person was thinking. We just went, hey, what are you thinking? Right. Oh, right. Now let's bring all of these things out into the open okay. and deal with nice. what's really going on. I find, uh, uh, um, I don't get squeaky voice, but mm. I get, um, I find that I, I'm arguing with myself with mine and the other person's voice. Oh, like, really? Like, you yeah. dramatise it in your head? It's for ages and ages, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about this, and then next minute I'm deep in an argument again. Like, for ages. Mm. That's how you hold on tell. to it for yeah, long, yeah. like much longer than we need to. I mean, you'd think after doing that for about eight seconds, you'd be like, this is quite bonkers. Yeah. I'm pretending to be another person arguing in my own head. That's quite mad, isn't mm. it? So, yeah. <laughs> Shall I end with, like, a little bit of advice from Wiki... How to be a good friend. This yes. is amazing. This is like yes. um, relationship advice for people who spend much too time, too much time on the oh. internet. All right, Jimmy Wales. Jimmy Wales. Here we go. Accept your friend for who he or she is. Mm. To make your friendship thrive, you shouldn't try to change your friend or make your friend see the world from your perspective. You should appreciate the fresh perspective your friend can bring to your experiences. The more you are with one another. The less you idealise each other and the more you accept one another for who you really are. And I think that's what I really want and I want to give as well. It's yeah. like just love for mm-hmm. like I want to I want to know that I'm alright even if I'm not perfect. Yeah. Even if I'm not being the best project sharer or whatever. And I think, you know, this experience I hope is gonna make is gonna like help me to grow up in this way. Right. You know? So you don't have to be perfect don't have to be perfect and other people don't have to be perfect either mm, and I can you know Where do you, you know I, I find it so weird this perfection thing because people are like you know it's a certain kind of a type a woman who wants everything to be perfect I've never got any idea what anyone means when they say that it's amazing that I, you don't suffer from this because I, I, I assume just don't that suffer. everyone does no and, you know, some, some people do. It's not just me, is it? Do. Okay, thanks. And, and they're like doing Tupperwares and mm. cleaning everything and never happy and super perfectionist. Mm. 
I've got no idea what that feels like. Amazing. You. I mean, I, I'm quite driven. I do think. I think I've got a, quite a, a stern taskmaster inside mm. of my head. But I. Um, there's just no way I would ever imagine anything should be perfect. Mm. I just think essentially the, the essential uh, nature of the universe is chaos. Yeah, you do think that. I do. Yeah. And also, what what room would you rather go into? The, you know, I remember um, someone did an interview with Dirk Bogart, you know, the actor, and uh, Bogart went out uh, to the bathroom uh, in the middle of the uh, the interview, and they moved one book on the bookshelf or just turned something, and he came back into the room, and uh, and just immediately went over there and rearranged it. Would you rather be in his room, or would you rather be in a great party? Mm. Where, where, you know, there's champagne flutes and the, and the champagne's flowing over the mm. edges and, and people have spilt pretzels all over the floor. and <laughs> There's two different... And there's a skipping rope. Yeah. And, you know, and there's people leaning out of the balcony at dangerous angles. Which but, room yeah, do you want to be you in? Know what, I do think... I mean, I, I prefer probably to be in the second room, but <laughs> I do think that there's something about the way that you are with yourself. Like, you're super self-accepting, you know? And that's, like, something that people spend, like, years in therapy okay. trying to get at, is that kind of, like, I'm all right. This is who I am, and I'm all right. And I think uh, maybe that's something that was lacking okay. between me and this man's relationship. Okay. You've just pointed to the outside. I have, because hey. there is a fox walking on my wall outside. Look at that fox. He doesn't even know what the fuck we're talking about. Maybe it's time to go on to your nature walk. Yes, it is, ma'am. What a seag, what a seag. This, in fact, this is a beautiful seag because today I am going to talk about um, a southwest energy. So, what do I mean by this, you wonder? So, <coughs> so we've got different energies and different parts of the day. This is all... Uh, this is the way that um, people have lived their lives for a very long time, um, basing themselves around the different directions and different energies, all based on nature and perceivable things. So the east, um, you know, it's the time of sunrise and time uh, in, in your life when you're a child, when you're a baby, and it's that kind of boom, vitality, happiness of a child. And then you get into, um, you know, southeast, which is like... Um, corresponds to age nine to about 18 the person's life and that's the time when you're just your body's full of electricity you're just so full of life and zip and drive and uh, and you'll see in the natural world uh, in the southeast time that's when you'll see the birds zipping about everyone's foraging everyone's doing stuff people are on the tube blah, 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 blah. you know the whole natural world and then you get to the south energy and the south is really concentrated work that's when you're right in your thing you're writing your document, you're, you're, you're hunting that thing down, you are really full in the full glare of facts and figures and fully focused mind. And then we come to the bit that I want to talk about a little bit today, which is the southwest. Now, the southwest is a time, it's just after the heat of the day. Uh, so in Britain, I'm not quite sure when that's like. <laughs> it's 12.30. Um, after lunch, basically, when naturally we want to slow down and some cultures really respect this you know in, in southern europe the siesta uh you know and you see other people you know other cultures just steamroller through it in britain i always think in australia it's a great shame it wasn't colonized by mediterraneans uh and america as well it's too hot there you know you need a siesta uh in italy it's a crime to work through lunch and lunch isn't 
you know, it's not a lunch 45 minutes, it's a lunch hour plus one, you know. On holiday uh, in Italy, I can remember seeing, uh, you know, this piazza, blazing hot day, uh, and inside, you know, in, in the darkness, and the tiled, cool darkness, mm. you could just make out Italian families enjoying three-course lunch, lunches, you know, in cool, shady setting. And outside was Americans and British with their shorts and those golf, you know, those ones with the visors, with a pizza in their hand or an ice cream walking around. You know, it's, it's, we're so busy. We're so used to being busy and we feel guilty for slowing down. Or, you know, this kind of southwest energy, it's something we relegate maybe in our lives to a couple of hours on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Or maybe it's something we allow ourselves to do on holiday a couple of weeks a year. And even then, we haven't given ourselves enough time to slow down. But so, I'd just like to talk, you know, about this southwest energy and and this feeling of guilt. That people feel, oh no, I shouldn't slow down, I should stay in that south energy. I should just be on it, on, 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 all the time. And it's not natural. The natural rhythm of life is to really slow down. Let it all go down. And and you can you can rest, some people go to sleep, or... Some people do, see this as a kind of wandering time where you, you let the mind wander or you might take a, a little stroll but without any particular purpose. Uh, and it's lovely that feeling of, of our human nature is the same as uh, as nature, as, as all animals are you know, feeling. So it's about taking care of our bodies, listening to ourselves, mm. to our natural rhythm. I want you to try this. I want you to have a bit of lunch. And then when you start to feel that weight, you know what, like, mm. almost like a magnet mm. is pulling you down into the earth. And just allow yourself to, to get pulled down. Stop. Bend down. Look at things. There's so much to see. I sometimes carry a hand lens. It's like, a, you know those little hand lenses? Oh, God, it's like having your own magic wand. There's so much beauty, you know, if you just slow down and give yourself a bit of time for that southwest energy. And uh, I'm going to finish with that classic poem that I, it gave me so much joy when I just found this. And it's, uh, you'll recognise this from school. You ready? Mm-hmm. Mm. What is this life if, full of care, we have no time to... Sit and stare. Yes. No time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep or cows. <laughs> no time to see when woods we pass, where squirrels hide their nuts in grass. No time to see in broad daylight streams full of stars like skies at night. Streams full of stars, that's nice, Beautiful. isn't it? No time to turn at beauty's glance and watch her feet, how they can dance. No time to wait till her mouth can enrich that smile her eyes began. A poor life this, if full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. Nice, right? Lovely. Really good, Sarge. Yeah, thank you. Yes. I mean, I, I don't want to cut it off immediately because no. I just, um, you know what I do after lunch when I get that feeling yeah. is I think, oh, I better have a coffee. Ah, That's yes. the thought that I just have to kill. Yeah. It's actually like, no. That's a really good point. We're like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we're going down a bit. You know, it's mm. like, yeah, totally. Leave the coffee alone. Yeah, allow yourself to go down. Yeah, because when you calm. go down, you come back really refreshed. Yeah. That's interesting. Bless. 
Thanks, Archie. Please. So this has been a really lovely bright side. Um, I do want to just reiterate the point, listeners, that it's now your turn to get online and leave us a review. Please do that and share this with your friends. If you think it's good, if you've got something from it, then share it on your social media. We'll be really grateful. Yes, uh, and it's been really lovely spending this time with you. And as ever, keep looking on the bright side. <laughs>